God in this new way. Um, it was a very transformative way. And then I got married 2011, December. And since then, just my life, it's been really long. It's been 10 years, right? And, uh, and uh, it really was this, this, this is kind of a roller coaster for me. Um, and so I thought it was a good, uh, appropriate day, time to preach the theme for the sermon today, and it's change. Everybody say change. change. Right? It's a Tupac song, changes, right? Um, you know, and we want to talk about change and transformation. And God has a plan to change each and every one of you. Every single one of you, he has a plan to change you. In my previous sermon on joy, I preached from Romans 8, and it says that he has predestined us to be made into the image of Jesus Christ. So God has predestined us, even before like we were formed in our mother's womb, even before the foundation of the earth, he predestined each and every one of us to be made into the image of Jesus Christ. If we are in Christ Jesus, that is like the ultimate goal that God has for us. We're on this process, and, and, the, and the end process is that we're going to be like Jesus Christ. We're going to have the characteristics, we're going to have the traits, we're going to have the heart, the mind of Christ. And that is the journey of transformation that we are on, is so that we can be like the Son of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm nowhere near like Jesus. I am not like Jesus. Uh, I pale and I fail in comparison to Him, and we all do. But the good news is that if you truly believe in Jesus, if you truly Put your life in Christ. If He is your Lord and Savior, He's changing you. He's shaping you and He's transforming you into His image. And as each of you took the time to look back on this past decade, I'm sure that you can see the changes that God has brought to your life throughout the years. And today we're going to look at a change. We're going to look at change and transformation. And we want to look at a passage from Galatians 5. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Galatians 5. Um, and it's uh, it's one of my favorite passages from Galatians. Um, and I, I mentioned this passage in my previous sermon last week about God's calling. But it's Galatians 5 starts from verse 16. And I'll read it to you guys. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit... And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now you might read this passage and think, this really isn't much about change, right? This passage it talks to you about like the traits and the characteristics of the flesh and the characteristics of the spirit, but it doesn't really, it doesn't have like a lot to do with change. But there is one word in this, path, this passage that is so loaded and so transformative, and, and we're going to focus on this word today 
as we talk about change and transformation. And you guys know what that word is? It is fruit. Everybody say fruit. Who likes fruit? Shine loves fruit. No, Logan, I think, likes fruit more than Shine, right? I see, I saw, I, he, he would like, he looks at like a banana like I look at a hot dog. He's like, I've never looked at a banana like that in my life, right? But, you know, fruit is a very transformative word. Paul, with one word, describes the fullness of true Christian change. The change and the growth that is represented by the word fruit is amazing. God changes us and transforms us in a way that a tree grows and bears fruit. And there are so many truths and spiritual conditions that we can draw from this uh, from this simple word, fruit. And the first point that I want to bring out to you guys today is that true spiritual change, the change, the transformation that God has for each and every one of us is slow and seasonal. God doesn't want us to change overnight. But the transformation that God has for us is slow, it's methodical, and you can't see it happening. Just like a child can't see themselves growing. I used to think Ethan would come up to me and he's like, he would like kind of measure himself and he's like, am I taller? I'm like, no, you're exactly the same as you were yesterday, right? We can't, we, like I look at him now and I'm like, wow, he's gotten so big, but I, I've never seen him grow. Right? We've never seen a tree grow, right? We see it, it just sits there, right? And in the same way, the transformation that God has for us is very slow. When I was a kid, my parents had a friend who was like my sister's like good friend's parents and they be my parents and their parents became really good friends and we would go to their house and they had this huge nectarine tree who liked nectarines right and i remember it was big it was like it was like one of the bigger trees in the backyards and it would, the nectarines would fall but then if you would like reach up you can actually pick one and eat it right off the spot and it was delicious it was one of those like american nectarines that's kind of like orange inside and then you eat it and juices fall out and i'm like oh it's so good right and I used to like, like eat like two and three and then get sick and then come home. But then when my parents saw that, they're like, oh, we want to plant trees in our backyard. Because all we had was a lemon tree. And I used to hate lemons, right? So my mom would be like, eat the lemon. I'm like, heck no, I'm not going to eat no lemon. Like, nobody eats lemons, right? And so my parents decided to plant some trees. And so I told them, like, whatever you plant, please plant a peach tree, right? Because I love peaches. Um, in the summertime, it's one of my favorite fruits. And so my, my dad planted this peach tree, and then I would look at it every year, and nothing would change. It's just a tree. It was like this big, had leaves, and then, the, and then the wintertime would come, and all the leaves would fall off, and it would look like it's dead. And then summertime would come off, and then the leaves would come, but it just was a tree. I was like, where are the peaches at? Because I was ready for peaches. I was like, I'm going to pick peaches off this tree and eat it, but every year it just remained the same. But then one year, we had these, like, we would see, like, like flowers bloom. And then once we saw, like, small peaches that started to grow. And we, I would eat it, and it was so sour. I'd be like, ah. And I'd be like, oh, these are nasty. You picked the nasty peaches, Dad. Like, why did you buy this tree, right? But then as these trees, as the trees started to grow, I remember we planted that tree when I was, like, late elementary school. But by the time I had gotten to high school, I, I remember it started to bear, like, really good peaches. And I would... Sometimes I would get locked out of my house and I would like, you know, come home from school. My dad is not home or he's sleeping and he won't answer the door. 
And so I'd just be kicking it in the backyard with my dog, and I would pick a peach, and I would eat it. It was, like, so good. I was, like, oh. And, I, and it took time. What my young mind couldn't figure out was that it takes not just months, not just years, but it takes many years for a tree to put down roots to get the nutrients it needs from the soil to start producing fruit. And that's how Paul describes our growth and our transformation. Slow, like trees, putting down roots so that, that, that they can reach the water and they can reach the nutrients in order for them to have what it needs to produce fruit. And that's why on a day like this today, it's important for us to look back at the, the decade we've gone through and reflect on the growth and the changes that we've gone through. And it's in these long passages of time that we're able to find our testimony. You guys like look, try to look back on this past week and like, oh, think of a testimony. And you're like, oh, you know, I got a discount on these shoes. And, you know, like, like it's hard to find, right? Like, oh, this, this guy was really nice to me. Or, you know, my coworker did this thing for me. Or, you know. But then in order for you to find true testimony, you gotta, you got to look at the, like, the, like, like what God has done. Because God doesn't do things like that. He's, he's not into like, like, you know, overnight savings and overnight. He's into the, the long process. And if we look back 10 years of your life and you really say, how have I changed? Well, who was I 10 years ago? And who am I now? And you'll see it. Man, God has been with me and he's been changing me all this year. It's like that kid that looked at the tree. And, and you know, every year it looks the same. But when, you, when I was in high school and I looked, I remember thinking, like, oh, I remember when we planted that tree and it was this big. By the time I was in high school, it was, like, really big. It, it like, went over the wall and it was, like, it's, like, it's, it's like maybe, like, four feet above the wall. It had grown over the past, like, six years. And it was producing fruit. And that's how Paul describes us growing and trans, being transformed. Because God's true change is slow. When I was a kid, I used to sing this song at church. Remember the, I, don't know, I don't know if you guys remember the song. He's changing me, my precious Jesus. I'm not the same person that I used to be. It's been slow going, but now I'm knowing that someday perfect I will be. And then we used to think, little by little in every day. Little by little in every way, Jesus is changing me. Boom, boom, he's changing me. All right. <laughs> he's changing us. He's transforming us. But it's not overnight. It's little by little in every day. He wants us to bear fruit. He doesn't want us to, to like, try to change overnight. And it requires us putting down roots and to draw from the water and the soil the nutrients we need to actually bear the fruit to change. But we also have to understand that, that, that God's change for us is also seasonal. We have to take this into account, meaning that there are times when things happen really quickly. You guys look outside during the springtime and you see cherry blossoms, right? We have a lot of cherry blossoms on the street right by Kimpap Chungguk by our house. When you look up between the two apartments, it's like we used to live in that apartment. It's like, cherry blossoms. It's amazing in the spring. But they come, it seems like they come up overnight. It's like I'd be driving down that street and it's like not just, just dead trees and then all of a sudden I drive and it's like pink. It looks like I'm filming like a Korean drama. It's like, and like, like little pieces are falling down and it really does feel like it happened overnight. Right? 
And a lot of times, the change that we experience with God seems like, like our spiritual growth is very quickly, very rapid. There's seasons where things are accelerated, seasons of grace where things are easier. Thing, things happen quickly. We experience God powerfully, and we change, and we grow rapidly. Right? I'll give you an example. When I first came back to the Lord in 2008, life changed for me really quickly. I went from, you know, like there was this grace over my life for spiritual growth. It was a season of acceleration. And people used to tell me, like, man, Caleb's on this season of acceleration. I remember man, I had such hunger, and everything was, like, clicking for me. And, and, and I, you know, I went from this, like, this depressed and hopeless guy and leading mission trips and going on these trips, preaching the gospel to people in, like, Bangladesh and, like, you know, Philippines and, and, and you know, like, people coming to the Lord. There was supernatural grace over our lives. And when we moved to Busan in 2012, there was a supernatural grace where things happened very quickly, easily, and we were, were able to push through. And there was this grace. At the time, I used to work nine to six every day, Monday through Friday, at a hagwon called TCS. And then on su- and Saturday, I would prepare my sermons. And on Sunday, I would do run prayer meetings and, and preach and lead praise and, and lead membership class. And, and then I would go back to work on Monday. And it was a season, I remember, of just supernatural grace over my life. It was, it, was, it was amazing. But while we know that there are spring and summer, there is also fall and winter. And during winter, if you look at a tree, it just looks like it's naked. It just, it's just all it's doing. It looks like it's dead. It looks like there's no growth. It looks like nothing is happening. And there, is this, there will be seasons like this in our lives. You know, in Korea, our winters are quite long, right? In California, winter is like a month. It's gone. In Korea, it's like winter seems, it's like literally full three months, right? And, and it can feel like this. The seasons, the winter seasons of our spiritual lives can feel like this. You know, it's so cold these days, I've forgotten what it's like to sit at the beach with no, like, no clothes on except my swim trunks, or like wading in the water looking for clams at Kwangan Beach. You know, in the summertime, there's all these clams that come, and there's all these like old Harabajis and Hanbanis that with, with these big nets, they go through the ground and they pick clams. And when we realized that, me and Young, who came to visit, we did it and then we caught like 20 of them and we brought it home and we ate it and it was delicious, right? right. And I, I would like, after church, I remember when he was here, I went out in my, in my street clothes because I was like, I want to get more clams. And I remember like, I, I went into the water in my church clothes to pick clams. I can't imagine that now. It's too cold, right? I can't imagine even just sitting on the beach right now. I'd be like, oh, I want to go inside. It's too cold, right? And that's what our, our seasons, our winter seasons can feel like that sometimes. The winter seasons of our spiritual lives can feel, and we, we might even forget what it was like to be in those summer months, summer years where like, like things were just so grace-filled. But it's like this. Spiritual growth... There will be winter seasons. It's not might. It's not like there might be winter, right? There's never been a time when winter skipped a year. Maybe in Africa, I don't know. Like maybe like, you know, where it's really hot. But in, in where we live and in anywhere you go, there's never a, a, a year where winter, like we skip winter, right? And God's plan for our spiritual growth is slow and it's seasonal. There will be times where there are grace 
to make growth easier and faster. And there will be times when things are harder, harder to change. We don't feel this grace. But it doesn't mean that we're not changing. Because if we are in Christ, this is the key. If we are in Christ, we are being made into the image of Christ. It just might be in the summer. You just might be summer, summer month and then, you know, somebody else might be in their winter months. It's inevitable. And it's understanding this that will help you persevere through seasons of winter and dry seasons and wilderness seasons of your life. Because Jesus said, well, he never said that these days or these kinds of seasons will, might happen. He said that they will happen. There will be times where things are difficult. There will be wilderness seasons in your life. If the Spirit of God is in you, you have the power of change in you. You have to receive that by faith. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. There is a power at work within you. You might not feel it at times. But if Holy Spirit is in you, the power at work within you to, to change you, to transform you, is in your life. Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The passage from today, from Galatians, verse 16, it says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things you want to do. If you are in Christ, the Spirit of God is in you. And if the Spirit of God is in you, he's leading you, he's forming you, and, and he's changing you, but you have to walk it out. In springtime and in wintertime. When it's easy and when it's hard. Because his transformative power is there. But it doesn't happen overnight. It's slow. We have to keep this in our mind. We can't expect us just, just, just rapid, like, you know, the, everything in the world today is go, 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 fast, fast, fast. I get annoyed when I have to order something online and it doesn't come the next day. That's crazy, right? That's crazy. Like I remember, like a time when, like when you ordered something in America, like my my mom when I was a kid for Christmas, we saw this thing on TV. This is like the '80s. We saw this robot on this in this home shopping network, and I remember thinking like, oh, I want that. And my mom, you know, she just I guess she had some money, and she was like feeling very like generous. Like, oh, I'll buy you that. And so she called. You know, uh, and in her broken English, she ordered that on the home shopping network. You know how long it took to can't come to our house? She bought that for me like two weeks before Christmas. I got that almost like six months later. It got delivered to our house. I was still happy, right? But then now it's like, if it doesn't come the next day, you're like, I'm on coupon going, oh, this is supposed to be rocket bezel. But it didn't come today. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. It will come tomorrow. And I'm like, oh. That's everything is so quick, quick, quick. But God is not like that. God does things slowly. His transformative power is slow. And even though it's slow, we have to continue to persevere. It doesn't happen overnight. And just because it's slow, it doesn't mean that it's not powerful. A lot of time we think, oh man, this 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 change that's happening is so slow. You know, it's like, like there's no power in my life. No. 
Sometimes the slowest things are the most powerful things. Like, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, a hippopotamus. They're actually pretty quick, right? They, they don't look that quick. If you look at an elephant, they're quite quick, but, they don't, but they're powerful. Right? You know, they're powerful. They're, it's just, sometimes it's the slow things that are the most powerful because true substantial things take time. You know, there's that saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. Right? If you look at these buildings that we're being surrounded with, this one right here, and especially that one, they didn't go up overnight. It seems like it now because it's like, you know, the foundations have been made. But it actually took years upon years of digging and establishing the foundations so that they can go so high. And if you look outside, it's like they're going exponentially higher than the building that was there before. But this, this building that was in front of us, it used to be a three-story building with, um, it had a Tucson place, and it had some Sakogi place, and it had a Nodavang. And then one day, one day I went and it was all gutted and they were they were like you know redoing it and I remember like they it took them only about a month or two and they went in and they like painted it and they did all this construction and it became this new nice building right and then and then Holly's Coffee came instead of Tucson Place but if you looked at the building from the outside although it seemed very different the inside was still the same. And that change didn't last long. It changed from a Tucson place to a Holly's coffee, and it looked nicer on the outside, but inside it was still the same. You know how I know? The bathrooms. Because <laughs> Tucson place bathrooms smelled horrible, and Holly's coffee bathrooms smelled horrible, right? It wasn't significant change. It was renovation, but it happened quickly. It happened within a month or so. But you look at that building outside now, and it's completely different. You, it doesn't even resemble. I've even forgotten what that building, old building looked like. It's exponentially taller. We've lost our view, and it's going to keep going higher. And it's going to keep going up because it took time. It took years for them to dig down to the foundation, dig down to the ground, you know, they're going to have a, a basement parking lot. And so in order for them to have three floors of basement parking lot, they have to even go like like five times deeper in order for them to have that parking lot, right? It took years to build that foundation. And then, and that's the kind of change that God wants for us. God, can, if he wanted to change us, he can change us in a day. But he wants our change and transformation to truly be transformative and what he wants. And it will take time. It will take seasons. And there will be seasons where it's easy and there will be seasons where it's difficult. I'm like in a season where things are very difficult. Change and, and even like, you know, like me, like, you know, things, it just seems like I'm like in the winter. I'm going against the current. I feel like I'm freezing. But even then, I'm pushing through and I know in my heart, I know deep in my heart that God is in me and he is changing me. Little by little. And this leads me to my next point, and it's that true spiritual change happens inside out. Like that building happened from in. It wasn't just like a, a fixing of the outside. It happened in from the, the, the foundation, and it came up. And you guys all seen a tree stump. Who's seen a tree stump that's cut, right? You cut a tree in half, you see that there's what? Rings, right? And each ring represents 
a year that it's been alive. A ring is formed when it actually goes through the spring and summer months where it grows and it hits winter and it stops growing. And it's that stop growing aspect part where it's, grow it's still growing, but it's just growing really slow. That aspect looks different. And so when you see a ring, it's that line is actually the winter months. Right? It's defined by that winter month. And a ring is a year that the tree has lived, been alive. It's a, it's a winter that it has gone through. And when you look at it, trees grow from inside out. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. The law tries to change us outside in. That's the law. We're trying to be under the law. We're trying to change ourselves outside in. We want to follow the law so that we do things, so that we're perceived a certain way by other people. We do things so that we can look holy. We do things that so people can see us in this way and that way. But true change that God wants for us, people can't see. You can't see the rings of a tree from the outside. I can't look at a tree and say, oh, that's five years old. No. You can't because the rings are on the inside. It's growing from inside out. And God is not concerned with your outside. He's not concerned with the way that you are on the outside, how you look, the things you do, the way you act. God is concerned with your inside, with your heart. Because out of your heart flows the wellspring of life. Your heart produces the things that you're actually going to do in your life. True change comes from your heart how the Holy Spirit is encountering and changing your heart. If God isn't slowly but surely changing your heart, the fruit you bear will be counterfeit. You can't seem loving all the time if your heart inside is saying, man, forget that fool. You know? Now you've done that. You're like, oh, I love you. Ah. But then they've done something for you. And in your mind, in your heart, you're like, now forget that guy, man. You can, you can seem like the most holy and humble person, but if inside you're saying like, you know, like, oh, I'm so holy and humble. Oh, I'm like the best Christian. That, that fruit is counterfeit. Because that's all coming from the law. That's all coming, you're trying to fix outside in. Right? And, it's, and, and that fruit that you have will be fake. It's like one of those like plastic fruits that you find when you go to Taizo. And then they have those plastic decorations. looks like an apple, but it, you can't eat it. This is plastic, right? And you can seem like the most kindest man, but if you're treating your wife and children horribly, the fruit is counterfeit. Right? Because you can't fix yourself outside in to resemble Christ. For God to bear true fruit in you, he has to encounter your heart. And as he encounters your heart, and your heart changes, everything the outside is going to start to change from the inside out. God chose David because he was a man after his own heart. God looked at his heart. He didn't look like what he looked like. That didn't make sense. He didn't look like what he looked like. He didn't, he didn't care what he looked like. He, he went to Jesse, David's father. And David's father's like, oh, this is my son. He's the oldest. He's the tallest. He's the best looking. This is my other son. You know, he's like, you know, he, he, he's also very good looking and he's tall. And then, and then Samuel's like, well, where, is this all your kids? And he's like, oh, there's David. But he's, they, the Bible says he's ruddy. I don't know exactly what that transfer, but it means that he might have red hair. 
But it, it means that he wasn't like that big in, in stature. He was just a little kid. And he was actually entrusted to do one of the, the worst jobs that you can do for the family, which is tend the sheep. Israelites, after they came out of Egypt, hated sheep. They ate them. But it's like being a shepherd was like, ugh. It's like the lowest form. Because that's how Egyptians thought. Egyptians used to think that sheep were beneath them. And so they would be like, oh, if you want to tend your sheep, you got to go way out there and take care of your sheep. Because, like, you know, you know we're, we're not about, we're not, you know. And so then the Israelites took on that culture. And so David is out there doing, like, the worst job, right? When I was a kid, the worst job was mowing the lawn. Nobody wanted to do it, right? I had to do it. Even in the summer and the winter, didn't matter. I had to mow the lawn. Like, like you know, why couldn't I, like, you know, do something more fun? Like, you know, like, taking out the garbage. I, was, I would have rather taken out the garbage than mow the lawn. Because mowing the lawn was the worst job in our family. We didn't have a da, 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 the mechanical roar. We had the ones where you just had to literally push and it cut as you put all your weight into this machine. If there was no motor. As you push, the wheels would make these blades turn and then you had to literally push this thing around the whole yard. We had a pretty big front yard until all of the grass was cut. Like if I had a mechanical one, I would be like, heck, I'll do that every week, right? My parents didn't, couldn't afford that. So we had to and it was a worst job, but that's what David was doing. David was entrusted with the worst job that the family can do. And yet God's like, you know what? I don't look on his outside. I look at his heart. I look at all of the songs that he's been writing for me while he's out there in the pasture and he's tending his sheep. I'm, I'm looking at all of the, the, the quality of his prayers to me and, and, and the way that he tries to connect with me. In my heart. He looks at his heart. He wasn't looking at his outside. God is not a, concerned with our outside. He doesn't want superficial outside growth for us. He doesn't want us to try to fix our outside before we approach him. But he wants to transform us as we encounter him. We encounter him in, 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 in that place of, of faith and, and humility. We go to him. And God, he's like, this is me. And God touches our heart. He comes and lives in us. And he, tr- he starts to transform us outside. And, and so true transformation Spiritual transformation happens inside out, not outside in. The next point is that true spiritual change is holistic. A lot of new age people have adopted this word, right? You use holistic, and it might seem a little new agey, but God is all about being holistic. Holistic is defined as dealing with or treating the whole or something or someone and not just the part. And we see this in the way that Paul describes our spiritual growth. And change, he says that it is the fruit of the Spirit. He doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, faithfulness, and self-control is not individual traits that grows in us. It all combines to become this fruit that is supposed to grow in us. Meaning there's only one fruit, and it holistically contains all of the characteristics of that fruit within us. This means... As, ho- as the Holy Spirit works in you, all of the fruit of the Spirit grows and changes, the, and, and the fruit of the Spirit is interconnected and must grow, grow holistically. I'm going to give you an example. I mentioned earlier that, that you know, I could be the most loving person. I can come off as looking like the most loving person, and I can seem like I love God so much, but if I don't have joy... I'm not, I'm not talking about difficult seasons of your life, but if I'm one of those people that I'm like, like generally just bitter all the time, unforgiving, can't like, you know, 
Like if something happens, something good happens, so fun, and you're just like, ah, right? You can't say that you love God and that you love other people and they have no joy in your lives. The fruit doesn't grow that way. We can say, oh, I have all of the peace. I have peace in my life. And you, but then you have this pride issue. That peace, it doesn't come from, you know, faith in God. It actually comes from like, oh, man, I have a good life. I made it in this world. I, I graduated from this school. I have, I have this job. I, I own this car. This is my girlfriend. This is my wife. Look how fine she is, you know. And then all of a sudden that brings a peace. That's not the peace that God wants to grow in. That's a peace that comes from pride. But the true fruit that God has for us, it grows holistically. You can say you love God, but if we don't have faithfulness, we can say that we love people, and we're not gentle, we're angry, we're judgy, we gossip. Like, oh, I love God. I love people. Like, well, did you know what she did yesterday? You know, you know, you know? That's not how the fruit of the Spirit grows. It grows holistically in us. That means if love grows, then patience, kindness, goodness, all of that will grow through. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have weaknesses in our life. I'm not talking about weaknesses. There's times that we'll have weakness. There's areas that we'll struggle with. But that's why I said this is slow. It's a slow process. And if I look back, personally, one of the hardest things for me was patient. I was a very impatient man. I was very impatient a long time ago. I remember I used to be like, you know, I used to, to uh, like something would happen, and, and if we if something was gonna happen the next day, I couldn't sleep. Like if we're gonna go snowboarding the next day, I'd be like, oh. and I would like wait st- wait stay up till five in the morning, be all tired, and then we would snowboard, and I'd be like, oh, you know, right? I am very impatient. Impatience was not something that that I had much in my life. But then I look back at my ten years and being married with Jamina. We've been married eight years now, and having kids. I look back. God has made me way more patient than I used to be. And I, I've seen the patience. I, I see, I remember, I, I have moments where I'm like, oh, I would, react, I would have reacted to that in a completely different way than I am than now. But it didn't happen overnight. It took years. And so there are weaknesses in our lives, and there will be moments of, of, of where we, we're not, everything is not symmetrical and growing, but if you look back at the ten, like long stretches of, of thing uh, of, of time passed for you, you will notice that the fruit of the spirit grows symmetrically. I mean, you guys have seen those tomatoes where it's like one of it is all like one side is all big and the other side is all small and green. It just looks all lopsided. That's not what God and the spirit of God wants to do with your character. Right? You've seen those tomatoes, right? They try to pass it off at the stores, like they try to show you the red part. And they hide the green part at the bottom, and you pick it up, and it just looks all distorted, you know? But God is not, he, he's about, he's trying to put, like, perfection in you. He's trying to bring you into a place of perfection. And it means that God's change and transformation for you is going to be a long process. But as you grow, you'll realize that you're growing holistically in the Lord. If God is truly in you, and he's changing you, God will change you holistically. Now, I want to close with these two points, and this is the more difficult aspects of spiritual change. And this is the true spiritual change requires death. A seed dies as it becomes a plant. Do you know that? A seed doesn't just 
get bigger. You don't plant a seed and all of a sudden a really big seed grows. And then, then you take that home and you eat that seed, right? That's not how seeds work, right? You don't plant a lima bean and then all of a sudden you get a lima bean this big. You take that home and you eat that lima bean for like a week, right? No. A seed literally dies. It stops being a seed in order for it to grow. It stops being a seed. It gets split in half and it no longer resembles what it was before as it takes root and goes down and the stalk comes up and the, the leaves come out. It, what it comes out of it is no longer what a seed used to be. In essence, a seed dies in order for true change to happen. And in the same way, Paul talks about our death that is required for true change. It says in verse 24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If you live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. True spiritual change requires death. The death of our flesh, the death of our sinful nature, the death of our will, the death of our understanding. Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In order for true change, the change that God wants for us to happen in our lives, right? a part of us, we, we need to die. We need to die to ourselves. It requires a dying to the things of the flesh and allowing Jesus to rule and reign in our life. This is not easy. Nobody wants to die. The key to dying to ourselves is repentance. It's the living a life of repentance. I've said this many times in my sermons, but true repentance is not not sinning anymore. Right? People would describe repentance as, I used to do this, now I don't do that. But that's repentance based on the law. You're trying to fix something from the outside in. But true repentance has less to do with not sinning, but it's turning ourselves away from the sin. But the more important part is facing God and encountering God, and looking to Him, and obeying Him, and connecting with Him, and allowing Him to encounter us, so that the change that we have is not just behavior modification, but it's true transformation from the inside out. Dying to ourselves is daily picking up our cross and choosing Jesus, choosing Him. Paul uses the image crucifixion. Crucifixion is not easy to do. To crucify something wasn't like pulling a gun and you're dead. No. To crucify something was very difficult. But you see, we have a God that didn't just crucify, but was crucified. He was nailed to the cross so that we may have grace. And we die to ourselves as we choose Him. Dying to ourselves isn't, isn't, isn't literally like killing ourselves. Dying to ourselves is choosing Jesus Christ choosing Him. We put our hope in Him. We, we say that you are in control. You are the Lord and, and ruler of my life. And that is how we die to ourselves. Every day we choose Him and what He, what he did to save us and what He did to transform us. But it requires death. He died so that we can die to ourselves and live in Him. And it's not something that we do once. Once we choose Jesus... We choose him every day. And every day we die to ourselves. Jesus said, pick up your cross daily. Right? 
What is that cross for? Why do we pick up the cross? What are we supposed to do with the cross? Are we supposed to just carry this cross around all day? What's the cross for that we pick up every day? The cross is there so that we can crucify our flesh. My will and my understanding, what I think is right, what my soul believes that I long and yearn for, we crucify that so that we can choose Jesus Christ. And so true change requires death. It requires us dying to ourselves. And my last point, and I'll close with this, true test requires, true growth requires testing. We don't know if we have changed if we can't truly grow. And, and we can't really grow and, and, and understand our growth without being tested in our lives. I don't know if I've told you guys, I think I've told you guys the story, but there was this thing called bio, Biosphere 2. Who's heard of Biosphere 2? It's not Biodome with that comic movie. Biosphere 2 was this experiment that happened in the United States. They took like nine people and they created this ecosystem under this sphere and they had all of these trees and animals and, and things living inside and they were supposed to live inside for two years cut off from the outside world. And the amazing thing is right, that they had enough like plant life inside this biosphere that they created its own oxygen. That they, had, they didn't have to pump any kind of new oxygen because it was sealed off completely. They didn't have to create any oxygen from coming, going in because inside it was creating its own oxygen. Right? That's pretty amazing. When I, when I read that, I was like, man, that's, that's pretty awesome. And they were supposed to live there for two years, and it mainly was to, to figure out if human beings can live on other planets, if we can go to Mars, create some kind of ecosystem, and live there. Right? Like that movie Martian. But what they realized is that as the trees started to grow inside this biosphere, they realized that although the trees were growing, they were a lot weaker. And they would start to droop. And they would start to like tilt. And they had to get these stalks, put up these like pieces of wood so that they can like sustain themselves. Normal trees wouldn't do that. And they, they realized that it was happening because there was no wind. Right? Wind, when a tree hits, is hit by wind and it gets bent, as it comes back, it actually gets stronger. It's like me doing sit-ups. <laughs> every time I go back and come up, every time I go back and come up, my abs are getting stronger. Same with trees, right? When a tree is bent by a wind and it actually goes back, it, 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 it's being tested, it's being shook, but it's actually getting stronger. And because inside this biosphere there was no wind, the, the trees, although they were growing, became super weak and super droopy. And they have to like support the things on its own. They have to like create things to support them. And in the same way with our spiritual life, God tests us. He disciplines us. We have seasons of winter and seasons of wilderness, trials and conflict, because ultimately it's making us stronger. If everything was A-OK -okay and we had no stress and no trials and no issues in our life, we would never know exactly how strong we are. I, you look at Ethan, you look at Ezra, and you, you see them growing out. Unless I allow him to attempt things and fail and succeed, he will never know and understand like how strong he is, how fast he is, and what he's capable of. He has to test himself. Right? He has to run to see if he's faster today than he was last year. And you know what? He is. He has to pick up heavy things to see if he's stronger today than he was last year. He has to stretch and reach, you know, because and, and, we have the little thing in our apartment, and he knows exactly what he can reach. He's like, I can't reach, I can reach everything, but I can't reach the two. 
you know, 2446 or like, or like our apartment 2501, right? He's like, I can't, I can't reach, I can't reach that, that two, right? He has to reach and stretch and, and try, to, try to get that in order for him to know how tall he is, how tall he's getting. And we see, and we see that, that God allows these tests in our lives, not to punish us, not because he doesn't care about us or because he hates us or we did something wrong. It's because he loves us and he wants us to know as his spirit is at work in our life, these tests and trials are there for us to know that we have changed. We're never going to know what we're capable of all, or what we're capable of if we're not tested. We've transformed. He's changing us little by little in every way. The fruit is growing. We are getting stronger. We can do more. We can bear more. We can endure more. And we can't understand that unless we face trials in our lives. A lot of times we, we, we face trials and we think like, God, why are you doing this to me? I've said that many times. God, why can't you just fix this for me? Why can't you just make things better? Why can't you just do that? And then God say, you know what? I want you to know and understand exactly what you're capable of and what you can endure. And we look back, we look back at the 2010s and we see that we are not the same person that started out this decade. We may not be perfect and we may not be where we want to be. But if we put our hope and faith in God and we find peace that God is changing us. He's in us. And he's changing us into the image of his son as we die to ourselves and as we encounter the spirit of God inside of us. As we look towards 2020 and the next decade of our lives, I want you to all find peace and joy in knowing that you are in good hands. You are in God's hands. He's running. Keep running. Keep the faith. You know, you may be in a season of winter. Some of you guys may be in a season of summer. You may be in a season of transition. But know that if you are in Christ, you are in his hands. And he is the potter. And you're the clay. And he's shaping you into his masterpiece. The masterpiece has nothing to do with being a masterpiece. You know that? And Matt, I, came with, I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know if I heard it somewhere, but it popped into my head. I was like, dude, this is like poetic, you know? <laughs> the masterpiece has nothing to do with, uh, with being a masterpiece. It has everything to do with the artist that formed and shaped it. It says, walk in step with the Spirit, and He will transform you into His masterpiece. Walk in step with the Spirit, and you will become the image of His Son. Let's all stand up and let's pray.